The Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been helping America's heroes and their families since 9-11. Hero first responders and service members who serve our communities and our country. Those who die in the line of duty or are catastrophically injured. Veterans who fought for our nation's freedom only to return home, fall on tough times, and become homeless. Heroes like Buffalo, New York firefighter Jason Arno and his family. Arno was killed while protecting his community, battling a warehouse fire. He left behind his wife and a young daughter. In their darkest hour, Tunnel to Towers provided Arno's wife and daughter with a mortgage-free home. The foundation lifted a financial burden, enabling them to stay in the home where they made memories with their hero. Join Tunnel to Towers on its mission to do good. Support the families of America's greatest heroes, the families of fallen first responders like Jason Arno, plus Gold Star families with young children, catastrophically injured service members, and homeless veterans. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Buck Sexton Show podcast. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. According to an article by NBC News, the White House has become rattled by the president's sinking approval rating and a growing list of crisis items that Joe Biden appears unable to resolve. With the midterm elections right around the corner, Democrats are now ringing the alarm bell saying if things don't improve, they could be headed for a wipeout of historic proportions. Let's hope so. Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. Biden's had a rough presidency so far, folks. No way around that. It's now looking more and more obvious to everybody. It's actually a catastrophe. Build back better, which never even happened. If it had, would have actually made things worse. You've also got, I'm not going to shut down the economy. I'm going to shut down the virus. Didn't shut down the virus, but certainly done plenty of damage to the economy. And people are figuring this out. Not just people like me who are Republicans who knew that Joe Biden was an imbecile from the start. I'm talking about independents, swing voters, the people who will look at the results of a Biden presidency and say, I don't want any more of this kind of stuff. And the Democrat Party, of course, goes along with them because they're in charge. And we've got a midterm election coming up. How is it looking for Biden as we approach this critical midterm election? 
Well, 538 has pulled together an aggregate of polls to show that 54% disapprove and only 40%, uh, 40.8% approve, which is near an all-time low for any president. So here we are. You'd think, given what they promised us, that Joe Biden would be taking victory laps, but instead you have the media running out of options for defense of this administration. They don't even know what to say. NBC News had a story over the weekend that you have to read to believe because there's so much in there about a White House in disarray, about a commander-in-chief who seems befuddled by the most straightforward situations, who has to have his staffers clean up his messes on a regular basis, and then who gets aggravated with them because they try to help clarify some of the comments that Biden has made. This is from NBC News. Crises have piled up in ways that have at times made the Biden White House look flat-footed. That's generous. Record inflation, high gas prices, a rise in COVID case numbers, and now a Texas school massacre that is one more horrific reminder that Biden has been unable to get Congress to pass legislation to curb gun violence. Democratic leaders are at a loss about how he can revive his prospects by November when midterm elections may cost his party control of Congress. You don't say. This is NBC News saying, wow, yeah, it's really been tough for this Biden administration. I guess it's kind of hard for Joe to deliver on all those things he promised. And of course, it's hard for Joe Biden. Joe Biden is an imbecile. We all know it. You know it. I know it. This is obvious. It's been obvious all along. This presidency was foisted on the American people through the conniving media, pretending that somehow Joe Biden wasn't, to call it past his prime, is far too generous. We all saw this coming. He was going to be a Trojan horse, a guy who's been in politics a long time. So the American people think he can't be that bad, right? It's Joe Biden. But actually, he's just a front man for a far left-wing agenda that has done tremendous damage to the country. And not just damage in rhetorical terms. It's not, oh, I, I don't like Biden's uh, last speech he gave on you know, U.S. trade relations with Asia or something. No, no, this is stuff that affects people in their day-to-day. Like, for example, the gas price, $4.61 a gallon. Now, if Joe Biden, let's be fair, the president doesn't entirely control gas prices, but if Joe Biden, the Democrat Party, more to the point, were not obviously hostile toward domestic uh, production of energy that is fossil fuel based, if they weren't obviously hostile toward the oil and gas industry, you might say, well, you know, this is just kind of a tough time. But no, we have inflation hitting, we have the price of gas high, and we have all kinds of ideological impediments in place by these lunatic left-wing Democrats when it comes to domestic energy. You saw that it's over $6 a gallon in, in parts of California. I mean, it's, the prices are getting crazy, folks. And it's not surprising. And the price of gas started to go up right when Joe Biden took office. So what are they going to tell you? Oh, that's right. Whatever they have to tell you so they can stay in power, because these people are buffoons. They're incompetents. So here's Biden economic, economic advisor, uh, Cecilia Rouse, on those gas prices. And you guessed it, Russia's fault. He completely understands that, but let's be very clear that the, 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 the increase in gas prices is largely, especially of late, due to Putin's war on Ukraine. And it is really important that 
Russia stop this war. And that is what the EU is trying to do by low, by putting more pressure on Russia, by uh, cutting off uh, part of his uh, the, the reserves and the, the resources that he's using to fund the war, because they understand just how important this, this war is for preserving democracy and for protecting the EU going, going forward. Mm, preserving democracy. That's right. The war in Ukraine is about preserving the uh, democratic order in every other country all over the world, apparently. That's quite a, quite a statement the Biden administration keeps making about this. By the way, on the inflation issue, because, you know, we have the worst inflation in 40 years. Yeah, look at that. Uh, Biden advisor Brian Deese, whoever this guy is, says, oh, don't, look, we're in a transition phase, folks. You know, it happens. Watch. Where does the White House see inflation? Do you, do you see it moderating? Is it going higher? Or do you see a slowdown? Well, I think where we are right now is in a transition, transitioning from what has been a historically strong economic recovery to what can be more stable and resilient growth. Transition to that more stable. Biden was supposed to be the transition, as in he comes into office and we're going to have a great economy and everything's normal and stable and good. And, and that's what they were promising us, but that's not what happened at all. And nobody should have believed that in the first place, but people are unfortunately susceptible to the kind of propaganda that the Democrat-aligned media puts out there on a regular basis. Oh, back to that NBC, speaking of which, back to that NBC News, NBC, NBC News story, the president has also told aides he doesn't think enough Democrats go on television to defend him. A particular sore spot is his slumping poll numbers. He's mystified that his approval rating has dropped to a level approaching that of his predecessor, Donald Trump, ranked by historians, whatever that means, as one of the worst presidents in history. Biden is mystified. Nobody else is mystified. Everybody else understands exactly why this guy's president is in the dumpster and the dumpster has gasoline poured on it and is already on fire. That's what we're actually dealing with right now. But somehow Joe Biden is like, what do you mean they think that I'm not doing a great job? And he's now apparently telling his staffers that they shouldn't uh, speak out to clean up his verbal messes that he makes and that he's the president and there needs to be a greater respect of that. But they realize this guy is completely out of his depth, always has been, is a mediocrity, was a mediocrity at best in American politics, the senator from Delaware. Yeah, he did a lot of really great stuff. And now he's a president and the American people are suffering and the Democrat Party, which has been in charge for now almost, well, going on two years, um, has made a mess of things. Not a surprise, folks, but the consequences, the consequences are now what we're all seeing. We'll have more on this situation with former advisor to President Trump, Jason Miller, in a moment. Let's talk about protecting your online data for a minute. A lot of companies promise your privacy is guaranteed, but that's just not true. That's why you need a new privacy and cybersecurity application tool called Secure. It's spelled S-E-K-U-R. Secure is using proprietary encryption and offering secure instant messaging and email. With Secure, all of your communications based on servers and data centers hosted in Switzerland without using any of the big tech platform. Privacy is a big issue now. Without real security, people can read your emails, messages, even your bank information. Secure will never mine your data and never ask for your phone number. You can send emails to your doctor, banker, lawyer, or anyone else with total confidence you're not being spied on by your internet provider or big tech. Secure is your solution to stop the constant theft of your digital identity. Costs only $5 for the messenger, only $10 for the messenger and email combination package. Go to secure.com and take back your privacy today. That's S-E-K-U-R.com and use promo code BUCK for 25% off. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. 
Support for my podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. The Performance Package 4.0 includes a ton of men's grooming products like the Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a bunch of other great men's hygiene products you never knew you needed, plus a travel bag to hold it all. The Lawn Mower Trimmer is the best. It's got a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents, and it's waterproof so no more messes on the bathroom floor. You'll also get the waterproof Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer with proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in all those delicate areas. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUCK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BUCK to unlock your confidence and always use the right tools with Manscaped. With President Biden's approval ratings continuing to drop, Democrats are rightly worried about a total wipeout of the coming midterm elections. Please, please make it happen. In addition to the potential red wave, President Biden's also reportedly upset that his predecessor's approval ratings are higher than his are at the same time in the first term of their respective presidencies. So less than two years since his election has the Biden presidency become a lost cause already. Joining me now, former senior advisor to former President Trump and the CEO of Getter, Jason Miller. Jason, what do you think, man? Biden, the Titanic is sinking. How fast is it going down? What's going to happen? Buck, if you could literally find a way to merge the Titanic with the Hindenburg, you'd basically have where Joe Biden is right now. It's a bad situation and only getting worse. And the problem with the essentially the, the candidate that the Democrats have and Joe Biden is that you can't take him and change any of his behaviors. You can't eliminate the, well, apparent sundowners that he suffers from. You can't get him to be uh, sharper or smarter on the stump. And his policies are bad news because the more he starts to talk about them, the more he starts to alienate not just those voters in the middle, but even those core Democratic constituencies they take for granted, including African-Americans and Hispanic Americans, particularly with inflation. So I'm. you may have seen this, uh... NBC News report over the weekend had a lot of really interesting stuff because I, I guess at this point they realize it's going to get out one way or another. They can't just hold up everything for Biden and, and prop him up entirely. So at least they can get some clicks while they have to tell some version of uh, some of the truth. But the, the quote that I thought was so funny was any assessment of Biden's performance needs to take into account the epic challenges he faced from the start. Is that Are they really going with that? The the presidency's a hard job. Biden needs a blanket over his knees and should go feed the squirrels now. Is that where we are? Well, they're already blaming Ukraine, uh, the invasion of Ukraine for anything bad that's happening in the world. In fact, I couldn't believe that today's Wall Street Journal op-ed literally leads with, well, there's inflation, but it's because of Putin and Ukraine. Here is one of the things, Buck, if it kind of one of those hear me now, believe me later types, the best thing for Republicans is to have Joe Biden on the ballot in 2024. Uh, and I think that if President Trump announces that he's definitely running, that locks in Biden to run against him. Biden will say, you know what, guys, I'm the only one who's actually beaten Trump. Let me do it. Give me another chance. 
I think the sooner President Trump gets out there and says he's running in 2024, that's going to lock Biden in saying, you guys aren't pulling me out of here, whether or not I have half a brain or no brain left. And it could be a big win for Republicans in 22 and 24. So you were a senior Trump advisor, uh, uh, Jason, and, and I think it's interesting that the the dynamic right now for this presidency apparently involves some of his top advisors uh, cleaning up his mess. I call it clean up on aisle Biden so frequently in the press that now he is pushing back saying, stop cleaning up what I say. Let me speak directly to the people without you changing what I say or trying to alter uh, the perception of what I'm saying after the fact, to the point where even in this in this article that NBC News wrote, there was something about how Biden has to remind his staffers that he's the president. Uh, that's, I mean, what do you even say to that? I mean, that, that's pretty sad. And the thing is, is that in a couple times here, what Biden has said that his staff has gone back and changed has actually been the right thing. In fact, last week when Biden came out and said that the U.S. would unequivocally defend Taiwan in the threat of an invasion from China, in my opinion, that was the right thing. It's the first time I've said Biden's actually done something right, sends the correct signal to Taiwan, correct signal to allies like Japan, the right signal to China. And you know what? This is actually what deterrence is about, something we did not have when it came to Ukraine or anything else ever since Biden's fumbling of Afghanistan. But literally no sooner did those words come out of Biden's mouth that the State Department and the White House started backtracking on it now. So nobody has any respect for the Biden administration domestically or internationally. What do you think the playbook is here that they're going to try to run? I mean, the polls that we could show are pretty stunning. Um, and, and in fact, Biden has already been expressing concern about the losses that he's taken with support from suburban women, the demographic that Democrats have really counted on in the, in the Trump and post-Trump era to try to come to their, their aid at the ballot box. Suburban women are, turns out they're, they're unhappy with baby formula shortages, the worst inflation in 40 years, and an economy that's on the brink of recession and the highest gas prices they've seen in, in, in recent memory. Turns out you know, a, lo a lot of women in the suburbs or anywhere else are, are upset with that. So what do you think the playbook then become, it becomes? Is it really, and while people are suffering through all this obvious economic uh, deprivation and, and uh, all the challenges that are being brought right now to just paying the bills, are Democrats gonna turn around and be like, yeah, January 6th, vote for us. Is that, is that the plan? What's the plan? I think they're gonna, yeah, I think they're gonna try to do that. I think they'll also try to rally around Roe v. Wade being overturned or likely being overturned based on that draft decision. But here's the thing, Buck, this is like being down by two touchdowns with only one possession left in the game. Even if you score a touchdown, you're still going to come up short. And Biden's problem really is twofold. Number one, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. So it's not as though you're going to go get Biden to, as I referenced before, start being sharp or stop making fumbles or get him to do something that's kind of funky outside the box. He's well too far advanced in both his age and his career to do something new. The other problem it's the economy, stupid. I gotta tell you, Carville's line was absolutely genius uh, from some 30 years ago. And it's the case, Biden cannot reverse this inflation trend by spending more money. And reflexively, the only thing Democrats know how to do is spend more money. Well, of course, you know this, you start printing more money without anything to back it up, but without anything changing, that's just gonna make inflation worse. So I see this as being a dual uh, pronged um, problem for Joe Biden. I don't see any way they can reverse course. If, if this is the absolute 
wipeout, the political annihilation that I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm certainly hoping it is for Democrats for so many reasons. I mean, for me, a COVID alone and their approach to COVID should be justification for just a complete destruction of, of their power at the ballot box. Uh, but do you think that there's, do you think that we could see a Biden announcement that he's not going to seek a second term if that happens? How do you see that part playing out? I would like to think so, but Joe Biden is one of the most stubborn people in politics. And this is one of the, uh, we've seen little flashes of this from time to time where we see a little bit of the, the Joe Biden anger lash out. But that's where I think President Trump jumping in could force Joe Biden to stick around. Uh, Joe Biden just by nature, by his DNA, won't want to quit, won't want to give in. And that could be a way to lock him in. So I, I think that could be a, uh, a two front success, both with President Trump uh, making an early declaration and then also getting Biden to commit to sticking around. And boy, I tell you, the Democrats are going to be cranky when they know they have Joe Biden locked in for 24 and they can't do anything about it. Uh, it's a scenario I love. Cranky Biden could be a name that a certain former president attaches to the current president at some point in the near future. We'll have to see. Jason, always good to see you. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, sir. President Biden visited Uvalde, Texas this weekend as blue states around the country begin their efforts to impose stricter gun control laws in the wake of the deadly mass shooting in that small town. We'll take a closer look at what the gun control crowd has in store after the break. First, let's talk about protecting your home. I don't know if you saw this, but there was a recent story about an Arizona real estate agent that found the home she lived in was listed for sale. Problem was, she wasn't selling her home. She was the victim of home title fraud, a devastating crime happening all over the country. According to the experts at Home Title Lock, the crime is incredibly profitable and hard to detect. An identity thief simply creates a fake title transfer for your home and refiles as the new owner. Then he can take out loans on your home or sell it. Typical identity theft services don't cover you and neither does homeowner's insurance. Home Title Lock does, however. Home Title Lock puts a barrier around your home's title virtually. The instant they detect anyone tampering with your home's title, they help shut it down and they help get you get your home back in your name. Here's what you should do now. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials. Then register your address to see if you're already a victim and don't even know it. And when you protect your home, tell them Buck sent you to get 30 free days of protection. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. And we'll be right back with more Hold the Line. It will no longer be possible to buy, sell, transfer, or import handguns anywhere in Canada and will require the permanent alteration of long gun magazines so they can never hold more than five rounds. Prime Minister of Canada Justin Trudeau announcing his proposal to freeze handgun transactions. If passed, the law would make buying all short barrel firearms illegal and impose a five round limit on magazines. Trudeau's not the only politician looking to make it more difficult to purchase firearms here in the U.S. At least three states are moving ahead with some form of gun control legislation. So is any of this actually likely to be effective in preventing the mass shootings like the one that occurred in Uvalde, Texas? Joining me now to discuss president of the Crime Prevention Research Center, John Lott. John, thank you for being with us. It's great to talk to you again, Buck. Let's start with the Canada uh, law or expected law, if you will. Uh, it, you know, you had Justin Trudeau saying this is what experts in law enforcement have been calling for for a long time. He's a politician. He makes stuff up a lot. I get that. Uh, what's the reality, one, of gun violence in Canada, 
handgun sales in Canada and magazine limitations as a means of stopping violence? Well, Canada, since 1934, has had very strict regulations on handguns. You have to get a license to do that. Uh, Trudeau's father ended concealed carry in Canada in the mid-1970s. But there have been reports from the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, even with the registration and licensing of handguns that they've had, as I say, since 34, they can't point to any crimes that they've been able to solve as a result of registration and licensing. Uh, the people who have had handguns have been largely drug dealer type situations. And the notion that they're going to be able to stop drug dealers from being able to go and get guns is probably no more realistic then they've been able to stop drug dealers from getting illegal drugs to go and sell. It's not like drug dealers can go to the police and say, look, this other dealer stole my drugs. Can you help us get them back? They have to set up their own little militaries to go and protect that extremely valuable property that they have. And the notion that somehow if I could flick my fingers and cause all illegal drugs to disappear from Canada uh, and all guns, that... uh, illegal drugs wouldn't start coming back into the country and they'd be bringing in the weapons that they need to protect that very valuable property at the same time, just isn't very serious. What, and what do we know about the history of magazine limitations? I mean, first of all, there are an estimated, as I've seen it, uh, John, 20 million guns in, in uh, Canada already. Uh, people have more magazines, gun owners have more magazines than guns usually. So you're talking about tens of millions of magazines already in circulation. Uh, and now they're saying there's going to be a five-round limit in magazines, new magazines sold. Is that, I mean, they did something, I believe, similar to this in New York with the SAFE Act. Uh, what do we know about trying to combat mass shootings or gun violence of any, crime, of any kind by making it a crime to have a bigger magazine? Right. Well, I mean, we had the federal assault weapons ban from 94 to 2004, where we had a limit of 10 rounds uh, in a magazine. Uh, The SAFE Act in New York imposed a seven-round limit, but that was struck down by the courts. Look, I don't know if these guys know much about guns at all, but probably not. But a magazine is essentially a box with a spring in it. I've seen uh, people with very simple machine tools create a magazine literally in less than two minutes from scratch. the notion that you're going to be able to stop criminals from being able to go and get magazines just isn't very believable or realistic. Uh, and so, you know, they can go and pass these types of rules, but these rules, as with the gun control rules generally, are going to primarily impact law-abiding citizens who are going to be obeying these these rules that are there. And when you're talking about magazine limits generally, uh I'll give you an example of how it affects law-abiding citizens. So let's say you're going to have somebody engaged in a mass public shooting. They're going to go and take multiple magazines with them. It only takes literally a couple seconds, as I know you know, to be able to swap out one magazine and replace it with another one. Uh, But if you're one of the 22 million concealed carry permit holders in the United States, uh, virtually always the only magazine that you're going to have is going to be the magazine that's in your gun. Uh, at the time. And if you limit the size of magazines, and these are law-abiding individuals, you essentially limit the number of rounds that the law-abiding citizens that's going to carry. They're not going to go and carry around a lot of extra magazines because the odds that any one bad thing's going to happen at any one point in time is pretty low. 
But if you're a mass public shooter, somebody who's intent on doing that, uh, you know, you know, you're going to need to have multiple magazines at that time. And so you're going to take them with you. And so really those types of rules, look, I want to do something about these shootings, but I want to do something that actually matters. And the thing is, these types of rules, whether it's things like background checks on private transfers of guns, the so-called universal background checks or assault weapons bans or what have you, you know, they're not going to do anything beneficial. They could cause some harm. And I really wish we would go and concentrate on what I think is the central problem here, whether it's Canada or the United States, and that is these gun-free zones. You go and you make it so that guns are banned in a particular place, and that creates more problems because it actually creates a magnet for these people to go and do the attack. Somebody just has to read things like the Buffalo Shooters Manifesto or read the diaries or other things. These guys explicitly go and target places where law-abiding citizens are prevented from being able to go and protect themselves. Whether it's the Canadian laws that are there, they're going to make it more costly and more difficult for the types of proposals that are being talked about here. It's going to be the most vulnerable people who are going to be harmed, and it's going to just create more places where the criminals are going to have an advantage over the victims. John, California, New York, and New Jersey are all considering some form of gun legislation. We already know that's been reported. And California Governor Gavin Newsom says that while the U.S. Senate stands idly by and activist federal judges strike down common sense gun laws across our nation, California will act with the urgency this crisis demands. I mean, California, New York, New Jersey, they already have a lot of gun laws. So what, what, is, is this really just about an assault weapons ban? Is that, is that what this is pushing for? No. I mean, they just want to make it, they want to ban guns. Look, I mean, after the Buffalo shooting, which, by the way, the Buffalo shooter, if you read his manifesto, specifically picked an AR-15 that was New York State compliant because New York has a stricter assault weapons ban than we had originally with the federal law. But he picked it because he knew it was going to get people upset. And that's the reason why he wanted to. He knew there'd be calls for more gun control after he did his attack. The bizarre thing is Biden goes to Buffalo. And what does he call for? The number one thing he calls for is his assault weapon ban. Well, the guy got the gun in New York. New York has an assault weapons ban. He, and Biden's saying if we only had a federal assault weapons ban that somehow, uh, like we had in the 90s and the early 2000s, and that would have stopped this attack. So it's just, but the media doesn't push back on these things. Uh, you know, uh, the number one thing that Biden normally refers to is background checks on the private transfers of guns. California already has that. New York has that. Uh, I wish one reporter would go and ask Biden, say, look, you mentioned this law proposal many times. Can you tell me one mass public shooting this century, just one, that would have been stopped if such a law had been in effect and it had been perfectly enforced? Because there's none. And he'd have to admit that there's none. But the, the main point that I think that they want to have there is just to make it costly for people to have guns. In, New, in Washington, D.C., where they have it, it costs $125 to do a background check on a private transfer of a gun. That may not stop you or I from being able to get a gun, but my research indicates the very people who benefit the most from owning guns, poor minorities, the people who are most likely victims of violent crime, $125 just for the background check 
might make the difference between whether or not they're legally able to obtain a gun to protect themselves and their families. And I, I just give you a simple example of how these laws purposely do that. Let's say, Buck, you and I were in Washington, D.C., and I'm going to give you four guns. It's just John giving Buck four guns. You would think just one person giving one other person four guns, it should just be one background check, right? No, they require a separate background check with a separate fee on each one. So for That's me to crazy. do that transfer, it's That's $500. California and yeah. other it, it, states. Well, it's, like the, it's, like the New York, it's like the New York gun permit situation where they just, they charge you $300 and they make it 500, then they make it 300 when the NRA says they're gonna sue. I mean, we've got a lot of issues here. Uh, John, appreciate your expertise on this. And we're gonna talk to you about this more certainly in the weeks ahead. So thanks for being with us. Any, anytime. We just scratch the surface. People can find more at our website at crimeresearch.org, crimeresearch.org. Thank you. Our crimeresearch.org. Go check it out. John, thanks so much. A New York Times survey is once again demonstrating the devastating toll the pandemic has had on children's mental health. We'll have more on that with the host of Counterculture on the Epic Times, Danielle D'Souza, when we come back. Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. After two years of lockdown, social distancing, and mask wearing, we are finally starting to understand the devastating toll the pandemic had on children's mental health. In a recent New York Times survey of 362 school counselors nationwide, they described many students as frozen socially and emotionally at the age they were when the pandemic started. Nearly all counselors, 94%, said their students were showing more signs of anxiety and depression than before the pandemic. 88% said students were having more trouble regulating their emotions, and almost three quarters said they were having more difficulty solving conflicts with friends. Joining me now to discuss, Danielle D'Souza, host of Counterculture with Danielle D'Souza. Danielle, good to see you. Hi, Buck, great to see you. So, Danielle, America's school children didn't just have learning loss when it comes to reading and math, but social, emotional skills, uh, devastating to them in, this, in those capacities. And there was no benefit to this. I mean, what do we do now that we're seeing the full scope of what was done to our children in the name of protecting them? This is pure evil. Honestly, our children were basically turned into these sacrificial lambs. They were thrown under the bus. And for what? As you said, for what purpose? It was literally only for the idiocy of the left so they could keep promoting these evil policies. And now even we see that kids who are in sixth grade basically have the emotional level, have the learning skills of a child who's in third grade. And a third grader basically has the skills of a child who's in first grade. They literally haven't been in school for about two years. So what does that tell us? That entire time of those couple years, how are they going to make that up at that age? That's such a huge difference. And I think parents are honestly done with it. Even in New York and D.C. and all of these left-wing areas, they basically decided they're not going to wear masks themselves. They're tired of this themselves. The vaccine passports they're sick of. 
And so why have the kids are, why are they the ones who basically had to bear the brunt of this and have these long-term emotional depression, loneliness issues when the rest of us have moved on with our lives? This is from the New York Times article that finally took a look at some of these numbers, I think unfortunately far too late and after the New York Times played among many other major Democrat-aligned media outlets played a huge role in creating the political momentum for these kinds of policies, including the school lockdowns and all the damage they did. This is from that article. Kids have the highest, this is quotes from counselors, kids have the highest level of anxiety I've ever seen, anxiety about basic safety and fear of what could happen. I've seen more physical fights this year than in my 15 years combined. The foundational skills for learning need to be retaught. I mean, that's just that's devastating from school counselors. This is the New York Times reporting on it. Yeah, and you know, the left, they act like they're the ones who care so much about mental health. They act like they're the ones who are just the nice guys and AOC will make videos saying, oh, you know, make sure you change into your PJs at night so that you have some good mental health. You can kind of distinguish your day from your night. And yet us on the right, you know, sometimes we act like, oh yeah, you know, they're the nice people, but we're tough. And it's like, no, actually we're the ones who care about mental health. We're the ones who actually care about kids and see them going through this. And not only when they're, you know, lonely and locked up at home, but then they go back to school, they're wearing masks, they can't even see each other. And so we're the ones that actually care about, you know, where these kids end up going in life, not only academically, but just as human beings. Here's a chart of the behaviors that are being observed now um, that parents, teachers, everyone is obviously so concerned about and should be. 86% um, of kids are having trouble focusing on classwork, 72% breaking classroom rules, 69% having trouble with time management skills, 58% having trouble collaborating with peers, and 52% skipping class. I mean, this is, this is devastating. These are all dramatic increases, Danielle that correspond specifically with the period, not only of school lockdowns, but just of the general uh, politicization of COVID treatment of children with mandatory mask wearing, uh, social distancing. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some of the videos, uh, Danielle. They put kids in band, uh, in band uh, class in school in like plastic actual bubbles. They had some people who, who had holes in their masks so they could play the clarinet as if that was going to keep them safe. Right. And I've even heard stories about, you know, uh, little boys on a basketball team and the mom of him, you know, tells the kids, hey, make sure you tattle on one of the other little boys if his mask goes below his nose. Make sure you turn him in. So in other words, turning them into kind of these little like socialist gulag enforcers where they're basically turning on each other and you know, you're afraid because your friend's going to tell on you, things like that. So they're not only sowing this culture of loneliness, but this culture of resentment of basically making them into these little political pawns. And it's really sad. I mean, not only are they not learning, but they're not even learning teamwork. They're not learning how to actually play on a team. That's just one example. But it's really just so sad and disgusting. I mean, the emotional health chart, the data is showing. And again, these lockdowns did not keep kids safe. They were never necessary. There was no positive trade-off from this at all. That's what we also know now. 94% showing signs of anxiety or depression, 88% having trouble with emotional regulation, and 67% showing signs of low self-esteem. By the way, the uh, social skills chart also looking really rough for children. 73% having trouble solving conflict with friends, 59% having trouble making new friends, 51% harassing peers online, and then a lot of fighting as well. 
I mean, I, this was all, many of us predicted this. I was going to say it's predictable. We said, you're going to devastate children and Democrats push for all this stuff. And I guess now we're supposed to forget they were wrong about everything and they really hurt millions and millions of kids. Yeah, well, you mentioned, you know, harassing people online, things like that. And, you know, honestly, that's what their uh, kind of role models do. That's what AOC does. That's what the squad does. They basically make these videos. They go on Twitter kind of just complaining about things. And then they get all of the children, or should I say not even the children, it's their woke teachers, to march with them, to do these climate activist things. Of course, for those, they're, they're fine to gather. They don't have to do any social distancing for those kinds of things. But that is basically this, um, you know, this youth culture they're trying to create, to turn them into activists, to make it so that their feelings are hurt whenever possible. And if they're at home, if they're not even around other kids, then all they're hearing are things that are coming from their woke teachers. And I think that's what has caused so many parents to start seeing, oh my gosh, is this what my child is learning? Because they're seeing it on Zoom, they're seeing it on, on online. And it has literally led to parents saying, this is horrible, they need to go back to school, but also what are the teachers teaching them? By the way, switching gears here for a second, Danielle, 70% of the nation's baby formula supply was out of stock over the weekend. And this past weekend, desperate parents in Michigan waited in a mile long line, and many of them at the end of waiting were turned away empty handed. Here's what Biden's saying about Operation Fly formula as of last week. I know parents all across the country are worried about finding enough infant formula to feed their babies. Today, I'm invoking what they call the Defense Production Act to ensure that manufacturers have the necessary ingredients to make safe, healthy infant formula here at home. And I'm also announcing Operation Fly formula. That's to be able to speed up the import of infant formula and start getting more formula in stores as soon as possible. I've directed the Department of Defense and the Department of Health and Human Services to send aircraft planes overseas to pick up infant formula that meets U.S. health and safety standards so we can get it on the store shelves faster. Too little too late, Danielle, what do you say? Oh my goodness, well, they have literally sent $40 billion to Ukraine. Meanwhile, there is no baby formula on the shelves. So what does that tell us? Not only is the Biden administration incompetent, but literally our politicians have sheer indifference towards American families and American babies who are starving. So this is literally a vision out of a third world country. You see people lining up outside, they cannot get basic things that they need. This is a first world country and they should be able to have baby formula. You would think so, Danielle. Thanks for being with us. Always good to see you. Thank you. Transgender swimmer Leah Thomas is speaking out and gave a strange reason as to why she, he, pardon me, continues to dominate the competition. We'll have the video for you in quick hits. Stay with us. Transgender swimmer Leah Thomas offers an explanation as to how Thomas dominates the competition. And a jury hands down the verdict in the case of Clinton lawyer Michael Sussman. Didn't go as we would have hoped, folks. We've got those stories in quick hits. Let's go. First of all, Leah Thomas, uh, biological male, swimming in the NCAA championships against females uh, and won, which is a surprise to nobody because we all know that biological male would have a huge advantage over women. Leah Thomas is not a woman. Leah Thomas was formerly uh, a different name and has now said that this individual has transitioned to being a, a female. That is not possible and it is not true. And she should not be, or he should not be swimming against actual women. It's unfair, we all know it, but Leah Thomas doesn't care, watch. There's a lot of factors that go into a race and how 
how well you do. And the biggest change for me is that I'm happy. And sophomore year, um, where I had my best times competing with the men, I was miserable. And so having that be lifted is incredibly relieving and allows me to put my all into training, into racing. Yeah, so this individual claims happiness and therefore the destruction of women's sports as we know it, which is happening before our very eyes, doesn't matter because Leah Thomas is happy now. Oh, okay. I guess the unfairness of this, the biological unreality of this is, uh, is somehow supposed to be irrelevant. Okay, so the Clinton campaign created the Russia collusion hoax against Donald Trump. We've known that for years now, uh, but the Durham probe has tried to get even more answers here. And uh, Michael Sussman, who's a lawyer, was uh, charged with lying to the FBI about representing the Hillary Clinton campaign when he was pushing the uh, Russia collusion lie to the FBI. He was doing it, of course, on behalf of the Clinton campaign. But a DC jury. Bunch of NPR listening libs, of course, I'm sure. D.C. jury found him not guilty. Here you go. Democratic lawyer Michael Sussman found not guilty Tuesday on the false statements charge of concealing his representation of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign from the FBI while he pushed since debunked Trump Russia, Trump Russia uh, claims to the Bureau in 2016. Um, so, yeah, he got away with it, folks. Got away with it. Found not guilty. There you go. So whatever he was doing there for the Clinton campaign, Worked for them. What do you think the lesson is? Do you think they won't ever do this again? Kidding me? Hillary's trying to figure out how she could do this again the next election, which she still wants to run, by the way. Over at CNN, occasionally the truth uh, kind of just seeps out by accident. Here's a CNN guest admitting the high gas prices are caused by less U.S. gas production. Wow, watch. Road trips are going to be way more expensive this summer. We now have nine states where the average is $4.90 a gallon or higher, the latest being Arizona, Illinois, and New York. California now stands at six fifteen a gallon. As Pete mentioned, the national average, four sixty two a gallon. That's up 44 cents from a month ago. The problem is that supply just cannot keep up with really strong demand as people travel more. The U.S. is not producing as much as it used to. Neither is OPEC. And so prices have nowhere to go but up. Mm. Yes, indeed. And then there was this, a uh, climate change lunatic, of course, there's so many of them because it's a religious belief for people who are too, in their own minds, they think they're too smart for actual religion, smeared the Mona Lisa to protect, protest climate change. Um, now, I know people would say, Buck, you shouldn't show this because, first of all, um, you know, this guy's obviously a lunatic, but you shouldn't show this because he wants the attention. No, the point is climate change activists are, are basically all different degrees of crazy. These people believe the earth is going to melt unless we have some total government control of CO2 emissions. It's never going to happen. All these programs and policies they talk about, it's never going to happen. They're wrong, I'm right. I mean, we all know this, right? We'll come back in 10 years and we're going to see, oh, it turns out that buck guy, everything he said was true, just like with COVID, by the way. Uh, but they're lunatics, and so we have to show that they're even willing to destroy the most famous painting in the world if they could, which fortunately they, they weren't able to because it's in a protective case. Uh, to get attention for their idiotic cause. Yeah. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.
Each morning, the President of the United States receives a highly classified briefing on the most important issues facing the country. It's called the President's Daily Brief, or PDB. It's delivered by America's spies and analysts. Well, now you can hear your very own PDB in the form of a podcast hosted by me, Brian Dean Wright, a former CIA operations officer. Each morning at 6 a.m. Eastern, I'll bring you 15 to 20 minutes of the most important issues facing the country, giving you the critical intelligence and analysis you need to start your morning. Since 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation has been committed to supporting our nation's first responders and veterans, heroes who put their lives on the line for our communities and our country, heroes like U.S. Army Major Jonathan Turnbull. Major Turnbull sustained devastating injuries at the hands of an ISIS suicide bomber. The complete loss of his left eye, a puncture to his right eye, he needed more than 20 surgeries and countless hours of rehabilitation. Tunnel to Towers paid off his mortgage and gave him a specially adapted smart home designed for his needs. He moves around his home more easily now. His home also gives him hope. With help from people like you, the foundation supports families like the Turnbulls. Join Tunnel to Towers in supporting America's heroes. Our nation's catastrophically injured veterans and first responders, homeless veterans, Gold Star families, and the families of fallen first responders. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. 95 cents of every dollar goes directly to their programs. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 